Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Style Matters podcast brought to you by Little Yellow Couch. I'm Zandra, your host, and I am so glad you're here. Right now, I'm digging into my online course, Master the Mix, with my summer students, and we are having a blast. Registration is closed, but if you wanted to know about when I'll be offering it again, be sure to sign up for the Little Yellow Couch newsletter. And here's another reason I would love it if you would sign up. If you are feeling stuck in your efforts to create a home you love and you're not sure what to do, let's zero in on the particular mistake you're making so that you know where to start. To do that, just go to littleyellowcouch.com and click on the yellow button at the top that says quiz number one mistake. When you sign up, you'll see your results right away and then I will send you a few emails to help you with the first steps. All right, let me introduce you to today's guest. Joanna McClellan is an interiors photographer and she's just come out with a new book, The Foraged Home. And here's what I really loved about it. She shows us, through these gorgeous photographs, the little treasures we find walking the beach, in the woods, even along the banks of a city river, that come into your home for a while. They find a place maybe on your table or mantle or even on the wall, and then they might fade or even disintegrate, but by then you've found something else, and the little vignettes you've created around your home keep changing, representing what's been going on in your daily life. And that's exactly how to do slow style. And for those of you new here to the podcast, slow style is what I refer to when I'm talking about my ideal way of decorating and developing your aesthetic. All right, let's get to it. Joanna McLennan, welcome to Style Matters. We were just chatting a little bit before we started recording, and I was saying to you, I have never interviewed a photographer before that I you know usually when I'm interviewing stylists or designers they they don't do their own photography often so I'm really excited to get your perspective this book is the the photographs are just absolutely stunning the whole book is beautiful the way it's produced the linen cover 
Um, but we're going to get into the specifics of that before we do. First of all, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, but I want to start right out with this this photography thing, uh, because the first thing that I saw when I opened up your website are the words slow photography. And I immediately knew I had found someone special because you know how you, uh, once you tap into something that feels like a bit of a revelation, you then start seeing it everywhere? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes. Well, so I recently decided to give my approach to home a name, which is slow style. And I'm probably not the first to call it that, but it was a real light bulb moment for me because it so succinctly captures my philosophy, which is about taking uh, taking your time and allowing your style to evolve, not in a passive way, really, but in a way that comes from somewhere deep inside yourself. So anyway, when I saw the word slow photography front and center on your website, that's all it says until you hit enter. I was so excited to hear what you meant by slow photography. So I, I was taught using a film camera and I guess for me, it's just that I, 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 I just, I, I set everything up. Uh, I'm self-taught as a, as a photographer, so it's a slightly different way. You know, I didn't work with a, uh, as an assistant. Um, so I've kind of figured things out on my own. And I just take my time. I just look at everything in the picture. And when I'm photographing a house, and you can photograph houses quickly, yeah. I just tend not to do that um and I take my time and I look at the way the light moves around the house um and I and I think about the images and how I'm going to take the photographs so uh you know there's no right and wrong uh I've I've just started working with another photographer doing online uh sort of like an online chat show stroke chat show like a magazine I suppose online magazine talking about photography um, and you, you know, he's done everything and now he works with a mobile phone. So there's, there's no right or wrong in photography. It's just, this is the way I do it. And yeah. that's why I call it slow photography. Everything's on a tripod. Um, you, you know, and I really, it can t- sometimes I take 15 minutes, 20 minutes to take a picture. Sometimes oh, it's wow. quicker. Now, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, you started to talk a little bit about how you're self-taught your interest in interiors, where that comes from, because that is a lot of what you you do some portraiture too, I understand, but yes, I you do, do a lot of interiors. Yes, I do. I mean, I, well, my, I've always moved around. My mother used to decorate houses or do up our houses and, and then we'd move on and um, she'd do up another. I mean, I came into, I've always been interested in photography and I did it when I was younger and then I didn't see how I could make money from it. So I have did a lot of other things, traveled around. And then I decided at 30 when I was working in London, uh, what I call having a normal job, um, <laughs> I just thought, this isn't for me. I don't want to live in a big city and I don't like it and I really want to become a photographer. So uh, I kind of quit everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working with my friends who they were, she was pregnant with her second child. So I went to help her set up mm. this country pub that they bought. 
and I was going to do photography in, on on my days off, and I actually did meet a photographer there who used to who did work for the World of Interiors, with the World oh, yeah. of Interiors, if you know that magazine, of which course. I think is one of the best magazines in the world. Um, <laughs> I sort of worked with him a little bit. He just happened to be an interiors photographer, so I, I, I kind of fell into it that way. But it seemed like a natural way to go because I've always been interested art, history. Um, my grandfather was a, uh, was a composer and a playwright. Mm. Uh, my grandmother was an artist. My cousins are into art and work in the magazine world. Um, and my brother writes. So I think it, that, that, you know, naturally drawn to the arts. And then I just, uh, my mom was living in France at the time. So I went to join her in France. And actually, uh, that was about 15 years ago. And I haven't I haven't left. She went back to England. <laughs> and um, you're still there. And I'm still here with a French husband. <laughs> you have a French husband. You have at least one child and a goose. Do not leave the part out about the goose. We actually have just got a baby goose. So uh, oh. our, our goose that's called Gus that we thought was a boy but is actually a girl <laughs> um, has become a big part of the family and we just got a baby goose last week oh, which she was um, yeah she wasn't very amused about that but um, they, they, I, I think she's warming up uh, to, to the little one now who, we call, who we're calling Pretty Goose so <laughs> until we find a more appropriate name all right well let's let's talk in, talk about the book The Foraged Home First, what gave you the idea to do a book about foragers and foragers in terms of their interiors? I didn't realize at the time when I'd come up with this idea for in, about foraging mm-hmm. that it was sort of of the moment. Mm. Um, and I think it's because of the way that I live with uh, my husband. He, he's sort of a what they call a brocanteur, so an antique oh, dealer. yes. Um, but he's also an artist. And, and we just spend the weekends going around Brocans. When I met him, he used to pick up things from the side of the road. And, uh, you know, when we went to the local dump to get rid of things, he would always come back with more. With more, right. <laughs> and, and so I guess it, it really came from the way that I live. Um, and then I realized that uh, the people that I follow or the people that I'm drawn to do the same thing. You know, it's not only a book that I think has been very well written, even though it is my brother. <laughs> I, I think there's a message behind it. It's not just another book about interiors. I think mm-hmm. there's a fundamental message uh, that's quite strong in the book and, and very much of where we are with everything and over consuming and you know we live in a world where everybody buys and throws and buys and throws the the writing yes your brother Oliver McLennan who wrote the book did such a beautiful job of telling the stories of everyone in it and why they forage and how they've come to forage and I don't even know if these people think of themselves as quote-unquote foragers because we kind of have a narrow idea in our minds about what that is you know we think of old men in Italy with their pigs looking for truffles which is also fantastic yes (laughs) I'm so glad that they do that so that we have truffles but (laughs) uh, but I mean um, you've really broadened the definition of foraging and like you said there's this underlying uh, message there about how much beauty there can be without buying anything 
new, um, which I love. And, and I was wondering if you found commonalities through the homeowners in terms of either their aesthetic or their approach to life, their lifestyle, and also what, what struck you about some of the differences between the people? Let me just say for people who are listening that the, 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 the major chapters are coastal, rural, wild, and urban. So these very different environments, and yet you really have this very strong through line. We'll be back after a quick break. I assume you're here because you want a one-of-a-kind, personality-filled home, right? Well, in order to have that, you need to define and develop your signature style. When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design, and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework, in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. We wanted to write a book that really was about, you know, that you can also take to bed you know that there there are stories about the people because they have something to say and I think we wanted to show that you know uh, foraging which isn't the true sense of the word but um, can be done in nature can be done in uh, in France of course we have these wonderful antique markets you've got car boot sales other places like in Norway you know they have the Salvation Army um, and and a lot of things get put on there Mm -hmm. or you know there's another site where people just want to get rid of something and you they put it online and somebody else just goes and picks it up there's no money that's exchanged it's just that it's not thrown away or nature you know which is a very is very strong throughout the book absolutely and I just wanted to capture the uh, people from around the world that do that Mm -hmm. and I kept adding stories at the end because I kept (laughs) finding things people get they meet me they get to know me and then they say oh you know what there might be this which is the same but it's hidden and and so I uncovered lots of other things whilst I was doing the book you must have loved that 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 sort of experience of not necessarily knowing what you were going to find 
And most of the time I didn't. The upturned boat, for example, an artist friend was talking over lunch with her about this book that I was going to do. And she was like, I've got the perfect place for you. And I was like, okay, tell me more. And she went, oh, no, it's just perfect. You've just got to get on a plane and come to Brittany. And I was like, okay, have you got any pictures? No, but it's really for you. And a couple of weeks later, she goes, so have you booked your tickets yet? And I'm like, well, not yet. And she goes, no, you've got to book them. Come, come in October, perfect time. So I ended up going there with my brother. We arrived at the airport. I received a message saying, unfortunately, I can't join you, but I've got somebody picking you up and they'll give you the keys to my home. So oh, we ended kidding. up going to her house and it was the most wonderful thing. And when we were there, the day that we shot it, there was sort of a mist everywhere. Mm. And it was really magical because you didn't really see the sea. Um, it sort of was, you know, something out of a film, really. Um, and it really was as it is. I mean, I haven't, because people ask me if I do a lot of styling and, and I don't really change that much. I obviously uh -huh. set the pictures up and the whole point was for me was these are the way the people live. Like on the, ta uh, on the table in the upturned boat, that is how I found it. You mm. know, it, this is, it's a quite, it's quite a different way that people are de decorating in this book because often decorating is this activity that you do when you first move to a new home and then maybe redo it five, ten years later. It's like this sort of one-off kind of thing. But right. and, and then when that is the case, it's much more separated from the person's life and who they are than it is in the people in your book. I mean... The people that you are interviewing and photographing their homes, I feel this sense that their homes are much more intertwined with their life, their lives, their lifestyle, and, and really who they are. Absolutely, and I think that they evolve a lot. With homes, they don't, and I guess I feel in this as well, it doesn't necessarily need to be static because you're always finding something and always wanting to find something. It's impossible to walk by... <laughs> a beautiful stick or uh, sort of stones or something that you find along the way. I mean, I don't think I ever come back empty-handed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such a great observation. And, and I, I have to say, as I look through the book, I, I'm really getting that. I'm getting this feeling of that, the, that this, these homes are not static, that if I were to go visit any one of them, I would not see what I saw in the book, I, you know? Mm. Probably not. Probably no. not, which is which is so <laughs> wonderful and beautiful. And, and again, it, it just, to me, it says that they are so, their homes are so intertwined with their, with their everyday life so that they are picking things up here and there, putting them on the mantle, putting them on the table, then they move them around or they, you know, they, they, they disintegrate <laughs> if they're, Absolutely. if they're dried flowers. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very different. It's a very different approach than um, the very finished look, I think, that you see in a lot of other homes. There's a breath that's going on. You know, I really want to capture the essence of that person as well. You know, we, we have this picture in our minds of the kinds of people that you feature, the people who, who may have turned their backs a little bit on mainstream life and material luxuries, mass-produced objects, and so there, we would think that maybe something as superficial as decorating would be of no interest to them. But I really found quite the opposite to be true. Everyone seemed to care so deeply about beauty 
and what their homes look like and did for them. And I, did that surprise you or did you kind of know that going in? Uh, I th no, it didn't surprise me. And I knew that going in. And again, I think it's because that's the way that I live. I, I, we take great care in the way we live. You know, we're building a house now, which is, uh, is a new build, which is mm -hmm. quite difficult for us to do because uh, we like everything that's old. Right. Uh, right. But everything inside, as far as the floorboards and the furniture and the kitchen and everything that we'll do, will be what we have found you know we've got a lovely bath that we found i i, uh, I, I suppose it's something like craigslist would be the equivalent okay right States. sure um and it's a beautiful cast iron bath you know the ones you see in france and and you know we picked that up for like i think 250 euros oh. um can and i just say in america we don't have cast iron tubs on craigslist <laughs> 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 everything we have on craigslist is like from the 1980s forward so right <laughs> um i want to switch gears just a little bit and just say that some of the people they use the objects they found primarily for display and simply because they found these things to be beautiful. But there were others that used forged objects in very practical ways using sort of this DIY kind of ethos. And I'm wondering if you could give us a few examples that you pull out in the book of this. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the obvious things is obviously instead of buying your own lampshades, uh, a, a lot of people use pots or we're just about to do it by these sort of metal basket they're sort of the oh, outside yes. of um you, they've got like these uh glass big glass bottles that go inside and it's metal on the outside yes, and we're going yes. to use that and turn that around and make them into lamps into our dining room so i think it's that um, i mean finding wood and making tables that's mm -hmm. you know another uh, another way of doing it oh i'm uh, looking at the i'm looking at the both the curtain rod and the sort of um, the the thing that you're hang clothes on the, the the clothes rod, I guess clothes rail. Yes, exactly. I mean, why you know you could go for a metal rod that you buy in a hardware shop, or simply get a, a nice piece of uh, wood that you a find stick. on your walks, a yes, stick, yes. And, and use it in that way. And I have to say, there was a there was one chapter that takes place in England that it's a term I've never heard of, but it's such a cute little term. It's called mudlarking. What, what is that? <laughs> There's so many people who don't know what mudlarking really? is. Really? It must be a very English thing that the rest it, of us don't know about. It's a, it's a very English thing, and, and, and there are a lot of English that don't know what it is either. Oh. So um, mudlarking, you, you know the Thames, uh, yes. and when the tide is out, uh, you see the mud banks. And because there were many ships that passed through over the centuries, mm -hmm. uh, things got dropped or left or, or whatever else. And so people go and you have to have a badge but, and two different types of badges. So there's one mudlarking, which is you can just go along the surface and see if you can find any treasures, so ceramics and, yes. uh, and metal. And then there's another one where you're actually allowed to dig. It's, it's a whole thing. It is, um, and it's so urban, you know. It's such an urban way urban. of foraging. I, I, it's so cool and fun. And I mean, it, I, and the photos of the, the women's hands that are holding the, this sort of 
bunch of broken ceramics with sand or mud in between and it's mm-hmm. it's uh they really are treasures it it I want to go to the Thames right it's, now <laughs> it, it is such an interesting thing to do and mm-hmm. and so simple and mm. so well easy I mean easy to do but obviously you need to, you do need permission to do it in the Thames but uh, right. We, you can do that anywhere, really. Absolutely. And you have another chapter. It's sort of towards the beginning of the book where these two women, um, they they take seaweed, all different kinds of seaweed, and they basically create artwork with it. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, a wonderful couple. They've known each other for years and they've worked in magazines. So, you know, they have an interiors background or styling background. They lo- both live... Um, in the southwest along the coast, Devon and Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And they were collecting seaweed, which you get in more in colder climes than mm-hmm. warmer climes. And they started to dry them and then realized that there was an opportunity for a, a business there. So they now sell prints. So they have the original, then they, then they, then they sort of print them up right. of the prints, if you like, um, and postcards and tea towels and a whole thing now. So they've created this business out of going out and foraging for seaweed. I mean, it's right. it's fantastic. And it's such a great thing to do. It's so much fun. Well, and it gets you outside. It gets you up by the water. And the sea, the colors of the seaweed, they're all different colors. They're all different colors. And that will, that was what was so interesting um and they go around with this little book which tells them the different seaweeds that they (laughs) have i mean they're quite knowledgeable now and the wreath making too that's another way that's another very beautiful artistic thing to do with your foraging you you have a section on the wreath making and floral sculptures that people do and um absolutely just beautiful they're just beautiful and i think what i love about the wreaths is that they're so sculptural i'm just looking at this one picture it's just a bundle of flowers that she has kind of tied together at the bottom with maybe some wire or something. And then she's just kind of, it looks to me like she's just stuck it on a nail by the door. I mean, it's just, it's so carefree. Most people don't think about taking a bunch of flowers and sticking them on a wall. <laughs> but these are, these are drying beautifully. So they're this beautiful pink color as they dry. And it's just... What a lovely thing to do! You've gone for a walk, you've you've found some flowers, and you just you just put them on the wall. <laughs> just, there's absolutely, something so absolutely. lovely about it. Or tying two cupboards together, you know, holding two 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 doors together. Right. Oh yes, I think that's what it is. I think that's yes. what I it see was. A, I see a handle, a door handle. Yeah. And um, it, 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 this is what the the little moments that I tried to capture, and and that's what it was all about. I mean, some of them were made with sort of barbed wire and god knows mm-hmm. what else they found um, and I think that's what's so interesting and Tracy Deep works with a lot of uh, natural fauna mm-hmm. uh, found in Australia. Oh well congratulations on this book it is so beautiful like I said I felt it, it relaxed me as I'm reading it I felt I was sort of smiling I just felt very very happy and at peace and it's a wonderful thing to get from a book so Mm, uh, congratulations yeah thank you very much yeah thank you so much for for being on the show with me today it's been lovely to talk with you Uh, it's been lovely to talk to you too 
Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, I would so appreciate it if you'd rate us on iTunes so that other home-obsessed people can find our show too. And don't forget to take the quiz, What's the Number One Mistake You're Making in Your Home, over at littleyellowcouch.com. Have a great week, and I will talk to you next Monday. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.